How's it going, folks? We're back here for another episode of Triggered. I'm Storm. And I'm Matt. And we're joined with very special guest today, Town Hall Zone, Guy Benson. Welcome, yes. guys. Hey, guys. I'm uh, excited and terrified. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we'll keep it PG today for you. <laughs> All right. R-rated. <laughs> oh, man. So the morning news today hit us with a... a sledgehammer wall- to the face. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. very unexpected. Uh, Nikki Haley resigned her post at the end of the year as uh, UN ambassador... So what do you what do you think the repercussions of this whole thing is going to be? Yeah, so I woke up this morning to a text message that this was coming. Mm-hmm. And in journalism, you typically need two sources to report something. So I was trying to get a second source right. and then Axios got it. And from what I understand, the timing is weird to me. It just is. Well, her letter was dated October 3rd. They and kept it secret for a long time. Yeah. They've kept it secret for a while, and not just the formal resignation. She's been apparently contemplating this and laying the groundwork for months. Right. That right. this was sort of what she wanted to do. Usually, though, you wait in this sort of thing until after an election season and then say, okay, I'm going to wait till the end of the year and then move on. Right. She hasn't really given an explicit explanation for why this is happening. There's all sorts of speculation behind it. But the only one that I've been able to get is she's been thinking about it for a while, which is why some of this garbage speculation that it had anything to do with Brett Kavanaugh is ludicrous. Oh, yeah. yeah um, but and that she has been in public life in high stress jobs now for years, dating yeah, back to time. her governorship. And she's tired and needs to take a break and step back. She's got kids of a certain age. If that's the reason, I mean, God bless her. This is she's done it completely the right way, managing to keep it a secret in a town that leaks, in a White House oh, especially yeah. that leaks, and managing to leave on good terms with Trump. And well, as far as we could tell, totally no, no, well, leaving yeah, yeah. on her own terms. <laughs> yeah, leaving on good terms in an amicable parting with mm-hmm. the president and the administration, and with her own political and personal reputation enhanced. Yeah. over the course of working in the administration across the political spectrum. Yeah. That's that rare. can be said of almost no one, <laughs> yeah. if not yeah. no one, aside from yeah. Nikki Haley. 55% of Democrats approve of her. For now. Yeah, for now. Yeah. Yeah. 55, 23, <laughs> until I think 75-9 for Republicans. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, until 2024 when she's going to be this awful, you know, <laughs> oh, who knows yeah. what. Oh, she <laughs> drank wine in college. Yeah. Right-wing <laughs> dragon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> dragon lady, yeah. Uh. <laughs> You know, I, I think one one of the theories being tossed around this morning was that after the election, Trump's going to fire Sessions, Lindsey Graham 2.0 is going to take over for AG, <laughs> and then Nikki Haley gets slotted in by the South Carolina governor. Yeah, I've seen that. It's a popular one. It's not insane. Mm-hmm. It's the least insane I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so Lindsey Graham has been saying that he's not interested in the cabinet. Right. And that's possible. I mean, he might just love the Senate and want to be a lifer in the Senate and sort of, you know, he's been for so long such a close ally of the late Senator John McCain, who, of course, was in the Senate till the very last day of his life. Mm-hmm. And that might be Lindsey Graham's vision for himself. Or he might say, I've been in Congress for what, decades at this point. I want something new. Attorney general, I'm an, I'm an attorney. Right. I can make my mark. And if he's got this thing in his mind lined up, he departs for the administration, and then Nikki Haley could be appointed to that seat. That's a lot of moving parts, though. Yeah. And in order to have anything like that sort of teed up with several bank shots, there's no way you keep that secret the way they have, right? Yeah. There's a lot of assumptions at play 
if that were to happen, I'd be fine with that. I Lindsey Graham 2.0 is a delight. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I think that uh, Nikki Haley would be a terrific addition to the U.S. Senate. A woman of color, a conservative, because I know the liberals love to bean count yeah, on identity. Yeah, they do. And this would put her, at that point, a governor, a successful two-term governor, foreign policy experience, and then a member of the U.S. Senate. She would have checked a lot of boxes in yep. terms of burnishing certain credentials ahead of potentially 2024. The 2020 stuff is so dumb. Oh, yeah. Zero oh, percent. We, Zero as percent soon as they As soon as they announced she was resigning this morning, then, it, you know... The Never Ooh, Trump crowd. Oh, she's running. It's a no, challenge. She's yeah. No, of course she's running. running. <laughs> she's running for Trump. Yeah. That's what she said. She's yeah. going to actively campaign for him. Um, and if she was going to, she wouldn't have went on that like five minute monologue about how great it's been to work with President Trump and we've accomplished so much. And, and if he had any sense that she was going to do that, he would not have given her the fond farewell that yeah. he did. Yeah. So it's not, that's not happening. 2024 might be something in the back of her mind. I have it on good authority that that is something that has been discussed within mm -hmm. her camp. But here's the thing, and it gets me back to the central question here of why now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a long time between 2019 and 2024. Yeah. A five-year gap. What is she going to fill that with? She's not going to go back and become governor again. Right. Right. She's. It seemed to me like it would make sense to stay in this job for some period of time. But if she has, I don't know, in mind that perhaps there's a Senate seat or something else that would tee her up for a future run it'd be who interesting knows, who knows what she's thinking it'd be interesting if pence doesn't want to be vp again she gets tabbed for that <laughs> oh my that's another crazy theory though that's yeah. all yeah and the <laughs> other thing is she has navigated the waters very skillfully mm -hmm. of being a very loyal and impressive trump administration official without being one of these like trump worshipers yes. yeah. of the president and she's occasionally thrown a brushback pitch from mm -hmm. time to time. I don't think that she would necessarily view it as in her own political interest to join a ticket that may or may not win. Right. 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 In 2020. And it could taint her if. Yeah. Right. She could. She's sort of. That's the risk. Mm -hmm. Walking away now. She's on top. Right. It makes sense for her to do this if there were an election in 2020 that she might be running for realistically. But there's not. Again, that five year gap. It's a long time. Yeah. There's got to be something more to the story not necessarily sinister at all right right but to walk away completely if she's planning on running for president in five plus years the timing is just strange yeah i had the same reaction it's just and and why not also wait a couple weeks until after the election yeah exactly rather than but having, i guess they already kept it secret for a week so that was a lot of time in dc standards yeah i mean yeah, yeah. an eternity yeah. <laughs> oh my God. and you know the other thing is that we're not really talking about because we immediately politically start thinking about her future and who might replace her and what might she be up to. She's been awesome mm -hmm. at the UN. Oh yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. unfortunate that we're going to lose, or unfortunate that we're going to lose such a forceful, impressive advocate there. I'm sure they'll put someone in there who shares her worldview and her disdain right. for certain elements of the UN, which are all of it deserved. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> but she is one of my favorite political figures in the country. I think that her time as governor was extremely impressive. She was able to thread some needles that were oh, yeah. challenging politically oh, yeah. and came out a very popular governor. Now she's taken on this foreign policy experience. So her credentials are there. And I hope that she's got a plan because mm -hmm. she's the type of person I'd be delighted to support in the future. But oh, absolutely. I'll yeah. say it one last yeah. time. A lot can happen in five years. Yeah. 
And perhaps, perhaps she's just sitting here thinking, all right, I feel like I've done everything that I can do here at this awful United Nations. I'm in a good spot. I've got a kid, I think in high school, maybe one in college, they're pretty young. Right. I'm exhausted. I've been a governor. I've been campaigning for people. I've been at Turtle Bay. I've been flying all over the world. I've been trying to do this dance with the Trump administration. I've done it all well. I need a break. Just some time. And yeah. now's the time to do it. I'm gonna go, go into the private sector for a little while, Yeah. catch my breath, see what happens in 2020, and then hit the reset button on my political career and figure out what the next step is at that point. Possible, but I think ambitious politicians typically have more plans than than just that. Yeah, definitely. And mm -hmm. in the last paragraph of her resignation letter, she said, you know, as a businessman, I'm sure you can appreciate wanting to go back to the private sector for a while from right. the government. Right. So and let who knows? Maybe she just wants to make some money in the meantime. Yeah. I mean, can't blame her for that. And yeah. put her if, on Fox News. If she ends up, oh man, a new <laughs> contributor. Uh, if we end up seeing your theory come true with the Lindsey Graham shuffle mm -hmm. and her in the Senate, that I think would be perhaps a little bit risky because the path sometimes from the Senate to the presidency is, is a yeah. challenge, but it's certainly intriguing and it would make sense. And she said in her letter and she said during the press avail that she is not running for any office in 2020. Mm -hmm. Lindsey Graham would be up in 2020. So if she were occupying that seat, she technically would be up in 2020 right. if she were running again. But she can probably say hand on her heart, even if that is in the back of her mind, that she is currently yeah. not running for any office in 2020 because she doesn't have any office that she would potentially run for. That could be a truthful dodge. Right. Or it could just be she has no intention of being a political candidate whatsoever yeah. in the next couple of years. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't, yeah. I don't know. But now the question is, who replaces her? Because we need someone strong for that. My personal pick is Ambassador Grinnell. So... I would like that. I was yeah, texting I was texting with Rick today, and all he would say was, this is major news. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I think that's a fair response from him, because no, almost no one saw this coming. Right. At all. Apparently, Pompeo and uh, Bolton were thrown for a loop by... Yeah, people did not know. Yeah. The vice president didn't know. And so, I mean, Grinnell was John Bolton's spokesman when Bolton held that role. Right. Grinnell is very outspoken in his views on foreign policy and on the UN. He's done an amazing job so far. Yeah, he's been he's been very good in Germany. I know that there was some criticism at first because he was like too brash and was like this is he is representing his boss mm -hmm. very well. <laughs> and I mean, look, I'm a fan of his and I think it would be a good fit. I wonder if after the whole long drag of getting confirmed, right. And then finally sent over there to Berlin, does he want to immediately turn around, pack his bags, and move to New York? And be doing such a good job with Germany and Iran and all of that. Right. He's been keeping the world abreast on yeah. European companies not playing ball with the regime, mm -hmm. uh, despite John Kerry's best efforts. So, Because you'd have to go through the reconfirmation again, right? I believe, I believe so, but I heard someone saying today that... If you have been recently confirmed, you could start the job right away. But I don't know. You'd have to be confirmed for another job, I right, believe. Right, right, yeah. Um, it has something to do with the Vacancies Act, I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah, I I saw that same. That would theory. that would have yeah. to be an entire uh, who knows <laughs> second discussion. But I'd be recess appointment. I'll yeah. put it this way: I'd be surprised if Grinnell. Well, that's how Bolton got it. Yeah, right? I remember. They, yeah. yeah, they wouldn't vote yeah, on yeah, him. Democrats are going to block him till the day they die. Yeah, although the filibuster is gone now. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Harry. <laughs> thanks, so, Harry. <laughs> send him a gift basket. I would be surprised <laughs> if Rick were not on the list. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if, for his own effectiveness. Is he happy in Berlin? Is he important in Berlin? Right. This is the question that the president needs to think about if Grinnell is near the top of the list, as is rumored. Number one, is he the correct fit for this particular job? And if so, is he more valuable in that job than he is in his current position in Berlin? Mm -hmm. And I don't know the answer to either of those questions. Yeah, definitely. I mean... That'll be something interesting to see. He said timeline is two to three weeks for replacement announcement. Yes, so. or sooner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he might drop that right before the election, you know. It's going to be Rex. No, just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> it won't. Yeah, it, it certainly will not be. <laughs> I'm giving him a second chance. <laughs> um, so something that you tweeted about this morning, our good old friend Hillary <laughs> just decided, I guess, to throw civility to the wayside. <laughs> and you can't be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for. So is the is the left now just going to go full ruthless tactics, no more civility? I mean, I'm not sure how you could get more ruthless than what we just saw. But Yeah, I was amazed. Politico had this story a few days ago about how Democrats were just wringing their hands and trying to decide if what mm-hmm. they really need after the Kavanaugh hearing is they need to be more ruthless. I'm like, more mean, yeah. What yeah. more could you do? I right. Know. Yeah. What more could you do? Car bomb. I mean, <laughs> oh my God. God. <laughs> um, the problem with this quote, and you just read it from Hillary, you cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for. That sentence can be applied to every single partisan American in the country right. in both directions. Because we live in such a polarized age, there are large percentages of both political bases that believe that the other political party wants to destroy what they stand for. And therefore, if this is just an ode to incivility because of you feel like your worldview is under attack, then it is an endorsement of incivility. Right. Um, It's a complete rejection of this fanciful notion that the Democrats live by some sort of higher standard, yeah. which they love to talk about, but there's... Like when you know, Michelle Obama said, yeah, you know, we, we take go the high road. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They yeah. don't. Of course. Yeah. Uh, they go low. Very I'm not, low. I'm not saying that, that no, we don't go gutter, low. I, think, <laughs> right. I, I don't think there's... There's not much room for many Republicans to say anything about civility, given who the president is, because he's not a civil guy. He's right. never pretended right. to be a civil guy. I just think... At this point, it's a street fight. Yeah. That's yeah. sort of how it feels... But there's there's so much hand wringing on the left about our norms, right? And our incivility, and our institutions, er- erosion and, of faith yeah. in our institutions. Yep. Yep. And yet, whenever it suits their immediate need, they are happy to explode norms, yeah. <laughs> and be uncivil, and endorse incivility, and destroy faith in our institutions, mm-hmm, as they yeah. have done with the Senate Judiciary Committee, as they are trying to do now with the U.S. Supreme Court as they are trying to do with the rule of law and the presumptions of, uh, of innocence, they will take the closest club available to beat conservatives with whenever they feel like it, right. with very few adults in the room left. And this seems like Hillary Clinton's sort of 
throwing in the towel on her latest iteration of herself. Yeah. And once again reinventing herself as some sort of <laughs> hardcore fighter, partisan like, yeah. fighter. But the fact remains consistent about her. She is terrible and the worst. Mm -hmm. And so this is this is unsurprising coming from her. She's got a speaking tour coming up. Not with going her husband. to Wisconsin though. Well, I mean, that's, I'm not sure she can find that state on a map, yeah. but uh, she and her husband are, are breaking out the G5 jets and oh, doing yeah. a speaking tour starting next year, mm -hmm. making a lot of money, and they want to make sure that they've got, you know, every auditorium filled, and if this is new Hillary, I, you know what I would love to see? I would love to see a discussion on civility between Hillary 6.0 and Lindsay 2.0. Because that could be a fun one. <laughs> so you got to think she's running at this point, right? I don't know. I mean, I hope so. Yeah. That'd be great for us. America great. needs... More Hillary. More Hillary. Yes. Third time's a charm. Hillary, what what could go wrong? Um, <laughs> she gets 15 less electoral votes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that Donald Trump could ask for much better than... Oh, re-up of that race. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, that, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, like the rematch would, I think, favor him. I just don't think... <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not sure would. she wants to put herself through another presidential mm -hmm. loss. And I think deep down, she had good reason to believe that she would win in 2008. Mm -hmm. She had even more reason to believe she would win in 2016. When those both crashed and burned, I think deep down she's got to know that with a crowded field of up-and-coming leftists... She's sort of old news at this point, right? Yeah. right. And she's a two-time loser. There's nothing to say you'd win that third yeah. time. No, and so like, then you're no. a three-time loser. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel like yeah. she's. I don't know. If I if I were advising her, I would advise her to spend the rest of her life making taking lots of, walks in yeah. the woods. Yeah, making yeah. money with these speeches and you know platitudes and all that. But I, I wouldn't go through the indignity of another loss. Well, she but couldn't. Keep it might up be with her DNA. Like, right. She couldn't keep up with it last time though. Yeah. I mean, you saw Trump was out there doing three, four rallies a day, and she was doing, like, one every three days, and even that was tough for her to stay. Yeah, through. I also think that she was, aside from her, like, coughing fits and all that, but I, I think she was playing prevent defense and was convinced right, she was going right. to win, so I don't have to do all this stuff. And he's just maniacal out there doing this because he loves crowds. But, you mm. know, obviously, it a lot of her strategy yeah. was... Wrong. Yeah, a lot wrong. Of her strategy <laughs> was flawed. <laughs> but staying on the topic of, like, liberal, you know, the angry mob of Democrats... Yeah. I just saw a viral video this morning. Apparently, this has been happening in Portland for some time now. But Antifa just takes it upon themselves to go into downtown Portland and just block off roads and redirect traffic and harass an old man trying to make a yeah, left turn. Any cars that want to go through, they yeah. break the windows. Like, how is that okay that we have cities now that are basically ceding control to these groups? Yeah, this is what happens when insane baby people. Run a city, <laughs> and frankly, a state. Right, that governor's a lunatic out there too. Oh, yeah, I mean, if you if you want a functional jurisdiction, a functional city or home that has some semblance of the rule of law, don't move out there. Get out. Right. Get yeah. out. Matt Ante was just it's out, like there. Sort of yeah, out there. It's like Antifa's. It's like Antifa's sort of little mini. They've occupied Portland. Yeah. It's like you know how. We hear, and I'm not comparing ISIS and Antifa, obviously. <laughs> you but can, like, you, know, you, you can, you know, that's I'm, I'm not free. doing that, but like, you know, it's like, at some point, it, there's a chance Portland may need to be liberated. Yeah. Uh, from Antifa. We could just send an ICE 
No, no, no. Okay. Just get just get Colonel Schlichter on his uh, M1 Abrams oh, and he'll liberate the town. <laughs> just drive from north yeah. through California. <laughs> but it's a shame because there's some cool stuff about Portland. They've got good beer out there and it's, you know, beautiful it country. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, I yeah. Just, it is. There's a 0% chance I would go there for right. fun anymore as a tourist or whatever because I don't want to, like, I want the police directing traffic, not, yeah. you know, left wing violent thugs. Yeah, not yep. some crazy guy with a baseball bat. With, uh, yeah, you know. really. And you, they, they act like they're trying to peacefully, yeah. like, demonstrate, but they're carrying around clubs <laughs> and, like, like Mad masks Max Beyond and, Thunderdome I, out there. I always <laughs> wear masks and bring baseball bats <laughs> to my peaceful protest. And hammers. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know what what the effect of this is all going to be, but the Kavanaugh effect on the midterms is going to be something that plays out over the next few weeks. We've seen some movement in polls already, but what's your overall feeling on, is this just going to be a wash and it's going to energize both sides to new levels for midterms and have a record turnout, or do you think it more so demoralizes slightly the left and the right, you know, keeps the fire going for the next 20 days. Or the right days. gets complacent because we won. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, so there's this uh, new CNN poll about this, and the bad news for Republicans is uh, the confirmation number, like the approve-disapprove, is underwater by about 10 points for Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. um, and Republicans' handling of the nomination is underwater by even more than that. The bad news for Democrats, the good news for Republicans is dead last in the poll mm -hmm. is Democrats and their handling of this situation. Especially among independents. Yes. Yep. 28 points. Right. Um, and that same poll showed that most Americans believe that Kavanaugh, while disapproving of him and believing the women, most Americans also believe that he was the target of a politically motivated hatchet Smeared. job. Yeah. So there's a lot of conflicting cross currents in terms of public opinion on this it was a very ugly spectacle i think the democrats deserve to come in dead last mm -hmm. out of that whole group i don't think the democrats could get more motivated they right. were already at an 11 out of 10 yeah since was, january yeah since yeah. since january of 2017 yeah yeah since november of 2016 they have yeah. been at an 11 out of 10 for a long time yeah and i was concerned that the Republicans were like at a five out of 10 maybe. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that this fight will help the Republicans, especially in some Senate races. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it'll be enough to come close to matching what the Democrats are ready to do in terms of intensity, but it will, it will help the Republicans gain, which could end up, you know, if it can be sustained, that could end up helping in some, some borderline races that may have all tipped one way that might be a mitigating factor now. I saw... I, I'm trying to remember who tweeted. It might have been Harry Anton, one of the polling gurus at the New York Times. It was Nate Cohn. It might have been Nate Cohn. They've got polls in the field, mm -hmm. and he tweeted yesterday yeah. that I every that poll too. that is currently in the field, the Republicans are now leading. That's Anton. Yeah. Uh, and we were like, "Well, gee, I wonder what possibly might have <laughs> yeah. happened." Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, I, for example, uh, the first batch of Senate polls, the first round of the sample that they've got going in Texas and Tennessee and Nevada mm -hmm. has I saw those, yeah. Marsha Blackburn up 14, which oh, is huge. Has nice. Ted Cruz up 12, Great. and has Dean Heller out in Nevada up three. By a few, yeah. yeah. Now, that was always going to be a squeaker, though. Nevada. True. I know he's very vulnerable, but yeah. like if Marsha Blackburn is now up five or eight or anywhere near 14 points, because five points was Fox News poll, mm -hmm. eight points was a CBS poll. 
I know Taylor Swift has weighed in. Um, <laughs> and I know they've, they've, they've registered a bunch of voters there right. in those next 24 hours, and I think the deadline's today, so yeah. Yeah. that could help them. If she's now up, Marsha, up mid to high single digits. That's, that's not a, gonna be that much. That's a very mm -hmm. good sign for her. If they can hang on to that, if Cruz wins, as I believe he will, then the Democrats really have to win Arizona and Nevada, and then cannot lose any of their seats, which I think is unlikely. I mean, yeah, I, I think they're going to lose Heidi North Dakota and I, Florida. I think Heidi's in trouble. I think Nelson is vulnerable. I don't know which way that race goes. It's yeah. very, very close. It's coin flip. At this point, yeah, it was Scott was looking strong, yeah. and then Nelson had a surge and was leading. And now the last number of polls have all been basically exactly tied or within a point or two right. in both directions. Claire, I, I think, think, could be I in think trouble. I think a big factor in Florida is going to be Rick Scott's response as governor to this hurricane. Could yeah, be. Could I mean, be. he was he was extremely popular for his handling of the last major hurricane. Mm -hmm. yep. If this hurricane is approaching, which it appears to be, and he suspends his campaign and does his job as the sitting governor, that'll remind people of his leadership. Um, and that, the Panhandle is a huge Republican area, so yeah. who knows what it could be with polling places that are destroyed or right, how that could be a problem. access to yeah. the election. That could be yeah. a problem. But, I mean, again, there's a lot of time yeah, for of course, that sort yeah. of thing between now and then. But that's a toss-up race. I think Claire McCaskill in Missouri is a toss-up race, could be in some trouble. Private Jet Claire. Private Jet Claire. <laughs> you know, she's... There's some polling that I've seen in Missouri that I think is worrying to the Democrats at this point. And then, yeah, you black know, Joe, voters are not enthused by her at all. Well, no. And that's, and, that's going to be key for her, I think. And, re, and the Republican, uh, Josh Hawley, is outperforming in a number yes. of key places, outperforming yeah. Roy Blunt, who mm -hmm. won re-election oh, wow. in 2016 yeah, by yeah. roughly three points. The Cook political report just moved John Tester's race to a toss-up yep. in Montana. I think Joe Donnelly is going to have a lot of explaining to do on his no vote. So, yep. I mean, there are pickup opportunities galore for the Republicans. And I think that Kavanaugh was sort of sailing along to confirmation and a lot of people weren't paying any attention and people are paying attention now. Yep. And and I have not seen conservative voters this fired up over anything in at least the last two years since the last yeah. presidential and election. And Cokie yeah. Mitch said it. We were having trouble rallying our base yeah. and the left did it for Specifically us. Republican women. That 14 point swing. Yep. From like 68% enthused to like 80 yeah. And the overall enthusiasm, ridiculous. the Democrats had it in IBD poll, I think it was, had a 12-point lead. Yeah. Now it's down to two. That was the NPR poll. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so, I mean, Mitch was right. Cocaine Mitch was right about this. <laughs> yeah. He also, what I find interesting about the, the Kavanaugh fight is you look at some of the most important warriors in that fight, the mm -hmm. most consequential people in how that turned out. They were Mitch McConnell. Susan Collins mm -hmm. and Lindsey Graham. Like these are not yeah. Yeah. Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz and, and even, that crew. You know, I'll yeah. give credit to Jeff Flake. He said he would vote yes if they did the background investigation, the yep. supplemental. And I think and he held to his word, which that killed yep. me though. And I think and I think the yeah. investigation <laughs> I think helped bring Susan Collins on. I think it yeah. helped with Joe Manchin. I think it helped with a number of voters who were not sure about how this all was looking. Mm -hmm. And eventually he came around he made his demand that I thought actually was strategically not just defensible, but a good idea if he was actually not going to come up with some new flighty yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. which he didn't. Yeah. Right. And so, which I was surprised by. Right. <laughs> but when it came down to brass tacks, you saw Mitch McConnell holding, I mean, he's been a complete badass on this. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like dating back to 2016, he has not blinked in the face of nope. 
all of the screaming. He's been an incredibly effective <laughs> leader. Disappoint. His approval rating among Republicans <laughs> yeah. has doubled. As it should have. Yeah. yeah. I always thought he was underrated. I thought the yeah. hatred of him was misplaced, and I, I think he's proving why. Yeah, never mind. And then, like, when you end up inspiring Susan Collins to basically give a very strong closing argument, yeah. and you push Lindsey Graham to the point that he is a seething partisan, yeah. <laughs> you've really screwed up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what the Democrats did. They did it because I think that they smelled blood in the water and felt like they might be able to pull this off. And then, thank God, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Thanks and, to having Eddie. And what oh, do we yeah. have? Yeah. Yeah. We have another gift basket to him. For we have another that. Supreme Court justice. Yep. yep. And we have a reawakened Republican base. I still think it's going to be a difficult night for Republicans. November 6th is the 6th. Yeah. Yeah. But see, I have an unpopular opinion. I think we just barely hold the House. Me too. And we pick up seats in the Senate. And I go I'd be to, very surprised. I go back to, to Kim Strassel's op-ed about 41 vulnerable, you know, targeted districts. Trump is underwater, but the generic GOP advantage on the ballot is still plus three. And people still want, they're worried about Democrats torpedoing the economy. They like what they see from Trump. And basically, she was like, the GOP House Republicans should have held hearings about making the Trump tax cuts permanent because that's what they wanted. And they found that 25 percent of the electorates here were GOP persuadable. Yeah. So it is that's before this whole assassination, the character assassination thing went down. I still think The Washington Post had mm. polling of the top, roughly top 70 most competitive seats and like 63 of them or something are held by Republicans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Trump is underwater across the board, like on average in those districts. Yeah. So the Democrats, all they have to do is win most of the Hillary one districts and then like a handful of Trump one districts and they've got the House. They just have to do what the out party on average does in the first midterm election. I would not bet against the Democrats in the House. I just think it's winning the House. I just think it's harder than ever now than it would have been already for them to win the Senate. Oh, yeah. No Um, way. And for them to pull off the type of wave that maybe in their dreams they have. A lot can change in the next three plus weeks, but I think if the election were held tomorrow, like for example, if the election were held a month ago versus tomorrow, I think the Republicans are in better shape today than they were a month ago. Right, Mm -hmm. definitely, yeah, for sure. But the question is what happens a month from now? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because keep in mind, all we were talking about was Kavanaugh, 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 Kavanaugh. And then today, boom, Nikki Haley's out and like the whole news cycle has shifted and we're wall to wall on Nikki Haley. Mm -hmm. There's gonna be stories like this for weeks and it'll be interesting to see what is top of mind for voters as they go to the polls Mm -hmm. and there's this weird dichotomy where in that washington post polling of those 70 races the 77 percent of those voters are happy with the economy right yeah but still think the country is going in the wrong direction and are not supportive of the president so that's a challenging balancing act and i think the argument that the democrats are going to make especially on the house level is we need to hold the president accountable and that's going to resonate with a lot of voters who like the idea of having a check on the president that's part of the reason why republicans had a massive landslide victory in 2010 right right yeah well hopefully we don't see that kind of yeah. <laughs> landslide oh, I, don't, I, mean, we're not, I don't think we're yeah. 60 something yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah. i mean i mean the, the trump tax cuts have rebounded in terms of popularity i think they're like i they're mean not as of, not as unpopular as, as when obamacare was passed and not no and not fall the, off from that not in 2010 that's yeah. the thing in 2010 the economy was bad yeah. and the president's policies were unpopular right and then he lost 63 seats yeah even though he himself was sort of a more popular figure or likable figure yeah. trump is not popular people have all sorts of negative feelings about him but the economy is in good shape 
and a number of his major policies are popular. And now you've got not only a satisfied Republican base, you have an angry Republican base right. at the Democrats, which you didn't really have at this level yeah, definitely two weeks not. ago. Plus, the, the overall average of you know right direction, wrong direction of the country is actually much higher now than it was back in 2010. Oh, yeah. It's so, still not good, but it's better yeah, yeah, than definitely it was. Not it was, above it was a, water. It was a disastrous number. Right. During, we were uh, talking like 29.30. Now we're at like yeah. 41, 42 average in the RCP, which is a lot better. I mean, unemployment <laughs> is 3.7%. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's going to come down to hopefully we continue getting good unemployment numbers. There will be one released right before election day, I yeah. think. Yep. yep. Yeah, because the first of the month falls during the week. So, you Another know, solid jobs report. And I think an interesting aspect is the RNC has actually been spot on in their in their data operation. And at least about the races they tell us about. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. They put it, when, yeah. when they're right, they put out the numbers like, look of at course, us. Yeah. We don't yeah. know what we don't know. Yeah. Well, I think it, they put out like all of the special elections that they had and they were spot on in that. And it's going to be interesting to see because apparently Trump is coordinating with them as to where he goes, where he holds his rallies, all that kind of stuff. And he's going to be on the road three, maybe four times a week for the next four weeks. You're going to so, see. I mean, he's going to Texas, he said. Yes. But you're going to see probably Tennessee. What I'd be interested to know is, are we going to keep seeing him in Tennessee? Are we going to keep seeing him in North Dakota? Or is he going to say... Does their data suggest that those races are sort of safe? We're good, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, give it a week or so, and if Blackburn and Kramer are up pretty comfortably, they might start deploying him a lot more to Indiana, Missouri, Montana, maybe even Florida, although if there's a hurricane, he might steer clear of that whole situation. The only thing I'd say about North Dakota is the final real clear average poll average number in 2012 for Heidi Heitkamp was she was losing by six points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she won. Right. By a fraction of a point. Yeah. So don't count those chickens yet. But if she's down 10 or 11. That would be pretty difficult. To yeah. I, I feel <laughs> like sending Trump and Pence there a couple more times just to just to lock that down. Yeah. Would be a good idea. And frankly, uh, it goes without saying, even if the Republicans end up losing a net of one seat. They still control the Senate, but based on what we just saw in the Kavanaugh vote, 50-50 does not give me too much no. excitement. No, like definitely it, it'd not. Be, it'd be yeah. useful to get 52 or 53. I'd like 54. <laughs> I mean, we all would. I'm just kidding. We all would, yeah, but I right. feel like it would be, yeah. if the Republicans can net any number of seats in the yeah. Senate, that'll generally, given this climate, be a pretty good night, and they'll have a lot, they'll have a lot of gratitude for a long time for how how favorable this map is. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you to Guy for coming on. Appreciate it. Love yeah, to pick your brain you. on the elections. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was this was a lot of fun. <laughs> so much happening. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and you have no shortage of stuff to talk about on your radio show as well. No. No. <laughs> Which will be on today. Every day, Every 6 day? to 8 p.m. 6 to 8. You can go to BensonHarf.com for all the details. Tune you in. Get, you guys ever butt heads? Oh, yeah. We were on, last, we were on uh, Martha McCallum's show last night together. And we were talking, oh, yeah, we were talking I, about I Kavanaugh. Things got a little chippy. And she and Martha were going at it about, because she was endorsing, Marie was, this idea that Susan Collins is a fake feminist. Right. Uh, and yeah. Martha did not take very kindly to that. Not at all. <laughs> and I mentioned to Marie, I said, you know, this flies in the face of what feminism is, which mm -hmm. is not the notion that all women have to think what they're told. 
It's that women can think whatever they want. And Martha said, that's exactly right. And Marie said, oh, thank you so much for explaining feminism to me. And I responded, you're welcome. You needed it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw your tweet with the eyes emoji, and I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, the, Kav the Kavanaugh fight has been particularly strained. That's awesome. It's been divisive, very yeah. divisive for the whole country, I mean. Very much so. Yeah. But I feel like the phrase that I had to say over and over again on the air, and I will say it again now, is belief is not evidence. Right, yeah. Because there's a lot of believing going mm -hmm. on, and I think when it comes to determining whether a belief is actionable, you need evidence. Yes. And that is where they had approximately none. Yeah. yeah. Which to me was significant and was laid out very clearly and well by Susan Collins, as right. a matter of fact. Yeah. She was sort of clinical and dispassionate and logical, and she was sort of an adult mm -hmm. compared to a lot of the emotionalist screaming. Yeah. If you're going to derail a Supreme Court nomination over an allegation, because let's be clear, there ended up being five allegations. Right. Four of them were garbage. Of course. Complete yeah. garbage. And probably ended yeah. up helping Harming. to, yeah, exactly. Harming. Yeah. yeah, you Dr. mentioned Ford. Evanetti. Uh, Collins' little underhanded, uh, you know, totally. you overreached. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. although this, <laughs> whole, much this whole blame fest from the Democrats on, yeah. oh, they're grumbling about Avenatti. They all embraced that. Of course, yep. yeah. And they, they used it and amplified it and legitimized it to try to call yeah. on him to withdraw yeah. the day before the hearings yeah. on Dr. Ford. So that is passing the buck yeah. and blame shift. Schumer did that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, it, so it they, didn't, they didn't count on him not withdrawing. Yeah. No, they, they thought, they for thought sure they were going to bully him out. Yeah, and exactly. then he yeah. clearly was not. So I think with <laughs> the Avenatti one, it completely fell apart. I think she's... I think she's a lunatic liar. Yeah, yeah. No, she's uh, There was the one that was recanted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was the one where the woman who, the anonymous one, completely anonymous. Yeah, yeah Corey Gardner's the, office. Yeah, and the woman came out, she's like, that was me, and that never happened. Mm -hmm. And then you got the, the Yale one where the woman didn't even know herself that it was him. Right. She yeah. was calling people in the last couple of weeks being like, do I remember this? Was, was it him? Yeah, I don't know. That, I'm sorry, yeah. that's not credible. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you have no corroboration. The people that you put in that room all say no. Her best friend... Yep. Refuted her. So that one was not credible. So it came back to Dr. Ford. And I wrote about it for, you know, for us at Town Hall. Yeah. There yep. were inconsistencies in her story. Yep. She did not strike me as a liar on the stand. She didn't. Right. But something that happened or didn't happen or how it happened, we don't know, 36 years ago, for that to rise to the level of derailing someone's pursuit of a high government position, there has to be meaningful evidence, mm -hmm. and there wasn't. No. And to attack Susan Collins, or anyone, for pointing to that standard as not being a good feminist, I think is a gross abuse of the notion of feminism, and it is it is the abandonment of people's rational faculties right. in yeah. actually assessing what there is in front of us. And the last point I'll make on this is, and I made it repeatedly on the air, I was very hard on Roy Moore mm -hmm. because I believed his accusers because at least most of them, mm -hmm. there were a lot of them, right? because there was yeah. a lot of evidence against him. Again, yeah. A yeah. lot of it. Yeah. And so I looked at all of that and I said, okay, do I want Doug Jones in the Senate? No. <laughs> For the very reasons that we just saw, right? right? This would have been an easier confirmation with another of Republican. Course, yeah. mm -hmm. But because I think that he was credibly accused of being a total 
creep. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I can't. I'm Mall out. troller. Right. And so I'm. it's not like I just reflexively choose based on party and based on an electoral or political outcome that I want. There are certain standards. Yeah. This did not come close to meeting those standards. Got to have some evidence. Yeah. Yep, and there was none. Right. And so yeah. that's, and now it, they're just trying to make it about disrespecting women or whatever. There's no, there's no attempt to make it rooted in facts or evidence or logic, which I think is hugely worrying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, and thank the, God they yeah. failed. If their hair was on fire over this, imagine if we get another vacancy. Replacing RBG. In the next two or years. Or Sotomayor. Let me just note that this is why it is so unbelievably important that Republicans vote mm-hmm. yep. this fall. Got to vote. Vote, because guys. there is at least some degree of likelihood that a potential sixth conservative vote on the court could be in the offing within the next two years. Yeah. And it is absolutely imperative that there's a Republican majority and kind of one with a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, it can't be yeah. the 51. Yeah, we right. can't. The stakes are so obviously high mm-hmm. because we see what the Democrats are willing to do. Mm-hmm. And if the Democrats somehow win back the Senate, there will be no nominees right. no. For, for any of the courts. They will yeah. roadblock everything for the next two years. It's clear that's what they're going to do. So you need Cocaine Mitch at the helm. Yep, yes. And you need him to have more help than he currently does. And it's that is completely within reach, but people have got to get out there and do it. Yep, yep. On that note, we'll leave you. See you on Thursday. Thanks again for guy to coming in. Thanks, guys. See you then.